The following podcast contains explicit language. It was the start of the 2010 season, and the Eagles were looking to make a statement. We were all excited for that year. It was kind of the first, like the changing of the new guard, and we had a lot of young players. We had a lot of, of excitement around the program. The Eagles had traded Donovan McNabb that offseason. They let Brian Dawkins walk the year before. Quentin Michael and a handful of other Eagles were either entering their prime or in it. The time for the next generation of players to prove themselves was now. It was like, hey, we're, we're getting ready to, to get rolling. And, man, we just felt like across the board we were built, ready to go. But the Eagles were planning to make another statement going into the 2010 opener against the Green Bay Packers as well, a fashion statement. For the first time since they switched to Midnight Green in 1996, they're going back to the classic Kelly Green, at least for one game, as a throwback. Quinton was one of the Eagles' starting safeties in 2010. He had grown up across the country, but he knew his Eagles' history. For me, as a kid watching Randall and, you know, Reggie White and all those teams, you know, going into that game, man, it was like the most excitement I felt in a long time just to, you know, rock those throwbacks and, and, I'm a DB, man. We like to look good. So those jerseys and <laughs> the uniforms look great. Dude, I loved it. I thought it was sick. That was Todd Harriman's. He was a starter on the offensive line that year. So was Mike McGlynn. And he was in on the Kelly Green uniforms too. Is that the actual game jersey that you wore in the background there? Yes. Oh, okay. I got you. So he probably cleaned it up for you a little yep. bit. Yep. Cleaned it up. And uh, I got a lot of jerseys with the Kelly Green jersey, the Eagles. It's always special because it's the first game I played in. This Sunday, October 22nd, when the Eagles play the Dolphins on Sunday Night Football in South Philly, Kelly Green is coming back again for the first time since 2010. Stuart Bradley was the starting middle linebacker that year. It was a game he'll never forget. The jerseys were fine. The game sucked, but I hit Ernie's hip and then was clearly concussed. Stewart collapsing in the middle of the field after a collision with teammate Ernie Sims was a lasting image from that game. But it was far from the only fire the Eagles had to put out. Now Leonard Weaver is shaken up. Yeah, he's hurt. He was hit. He took a helmet to the knee. So Jamal Jackson, who is just over eight months off ACL surgery, now they're looking at his right arm, maybe right elbow. Cobb in the gun. Back, big flush down. He is running. And and Kevin Cobb slowed to get up, and of course, immediately there are three doctors around him. Oh my goodness. Stuart Bradley trying, I don't mean to cut you off, but he got up, staggered, tried to take two steps, and just fell down. Clearly confused and dazed after the after the play was over. Oh. At the start of the day. Everyone was riding high. The city, the stadium. It wasn't just the start of a new season. It was the start of a new era at quarterback. Kevin Cobb, the heir apparent, a project three years in the making. The Eagles had other good pieces too. Dynamic talent on offense, a solid defense. Expectations were high. But Cobb going down, this was the last thing Todd Harriman's or anyone wanted to see. Yeah, it's like, well, what are we going to do now? All that stuff happening so early in the first game, you know, it just kind of burst your bubble. It's hard to be excited after that. Unless you catch lightning in a bottle. 
Here we go. Michael Vick in at quarterback for Kevin Cobb. He is running. He is along the far sideline. Cuts back in the first. He's at the 35-40. Vick's looking. He's firing. And it is a great catch by Brent Selleck. You talk about threading a needle. You can't do it much better than that. Vick, he is firing for the end zone. Caught! Jeremy Macklin for a touchdown. 13 years ago, Eagles-Packers, September 12th, 2010. Lincoln Financial Field. Last time the Eagles wore Kelly Green. That game is still one of the craziest games I've ever covered. As the Eagles get set to wear Kelly Green again for the first time since then, I wanted to revisit all the twists and turns from that game with some of the people who experienced it. Especially football. Great things happen to a lot of people. And every now and then, some bad stuff might happen. I'll never forget the somber feeling on the sidelines. You feel sorry. You understand that those things happen. My mindset was, here's my opportunity. Next man up, here you go. I'm Jeff McClain. I'm the Eagles beat reporter for the Philadelphia Inquirer. And this is Uncovering the Birds, a Philadelphia Inquirer and KOW News Radio original podcast, with new episodes dropping every three weeks. Season two, episode three, the Kelly Green quarterback controversy. Listen, before you go slamming me for being a wet blanket and jinxing the Eagles going into Sunday's game against the Dolphins, I want to be perfectly clear. I like the Kelly Green uniforms. I think it's a great look. It seems like everyone thinks the same, whether you're a fan or a player. The Kelly Green color alone just pops. Mike McGlynn played offensive line for the Eagles from 2008 through 2010. When he turned on his Zoom camera for this interview, his game-worn number 77 Kelly Green jersey was proudly displayed on a shelf behind the desk he was sitting at in his home in Orlando, Florida. For the Eagles, it shows the tradition through the years, but also, you know, the players that wore it in the past, the great players, Chuck Bagnerick, and a lot of those players that moved forward and, and had, you know, their marks on the franchise. And for me, I'd like to see them more a little more uh, during the season for the Eagles. The relationship between the Eagles and Kelly Green has been complicated since Jeffrey Lurie became owner. He purchased the team in 1994, and one of the first orders of business for Lurie and his then-wife Christina was giving the Eagles a full rebrand. That meant that after the 1995 season, Kelly Green was out, Midnight Green was in. But for the 2010 season, the Luries were willing to make an exception, or was it a concession? The team was celebrating the 50th anniversary of the 1960 championship. So they thought bringing back the Kelly Greens for the season opener against the Packers, the team they beat for the title in 1960, would be a nice touch. I remember there was a big reveal at Franklin Field. Players from the 1960 team were honored, and current players were there too. Quentin Michael thought it was cool to connect the past with the present. You see all the all the stars and the, the past stars and Hall of Famers and and great people and great players you know I know I know that that era was huge for those players and, and the fans in reality the Kelly Greens were just window dressing for the main subplot of the 2010 season as Joe Buck laid it out on the Fox broadcast this game was about way more than uniforms Welcome to Philadelphia and welcome to the beginning of the Kevin Cobb era here with the Eagles and welcome to the opening weekend around the NFL. What a good matchup. For Six months here. earlier, Easter Sunday, 2010, 
The Eagles made what was arguably the most symbolic trade in their modern history. They sent Donovan McNabb, the Eagles' greatest quarterback of all time, to Washington for a couple of draft picks. But the significance of the trade wasn't so much about what the Eagles were getting in return, or even necessarily about who they were getting rid of. The reason the trade was such a big deal was because it finally brought the Eagles face-to-face with the only question that mattered. Was Kevin Cobb the next franchise quarterback? The Eagles drafted Cobb in the second round in 2007. He played off and on behind McNabb for the next three years. But in 2010, it was time to find out. Was Cobb ready? I remember evaluating Kevin Cobb, and two of the starts were fantastic. He's breaking records. Marty Morningweg was the Eagles offensive coordinator from 2006 to 2012. The games he was talking about were the first two starts of Cobb's career in the second and third weeks of the 2009 season. Cobb went one and one, but he raised some eyebrows and was the first quarterback in NFL history to throw for 300 yards in his first two starts. Marty and Andy Reid, who was then the Eagles head coach, thought the odds were pretty good that Cobb could succeed McNabb. It was all Kevin Cobb. Right. You know, we drafted him in the second round. We spent time. Uh, uh, energy and money, and we fully expected him to have a heck of a year. As much as Cobb replacing McNabb was at the forefront, there was another dynamic at play at quarterback going into 2010. We all knew that Michael Vick would return to the NFL. No one expected he'd be here. But tonight, the Eagles have embraced a player just released from prison, saying that he deserves a second chance. After the Eagles signed Vick in 2009, he was used almost exclusively as a gadget on offense. But like Cobb, Vic's role changed in 2010 after McNabb left. Cobb was the guy, but Vic had become the number two. And as the saying goes, that meant he was only a chin strap away from the full-time gig. Mike Vic worked his tail off for about a year. He worked his tail off for about a year to play the quarterback position at a high level. I thought he was one of the dynamic players in the game, a heck of a football player. But playing the quarterback position is a whole different animal. What I took that to mean, reading between the lines, was that the Eagles knew there wasn't anybody else on the planet who had Vic's natural gifts, even after 21 months in federal prison. Marty and the Eagles wanted to polish his skills in the pocket. And so he worked like heck during that first season we had him in the offseason to raise his level of play at the quarterback position. Play the quarterback position the right way. And what does that mean? It means, especially for a talented, mobile, fast, athletic type of quarterback, it means go through your read. Go through your progression first. When you're forced to move, then let's turn it loose and have some discipline. When you turn it loose, you have to drill it. You have to expect it. The expectations have to be it. So this was the Eagles' plan for Vic for his first season in 2009 and going into 2010. Quentin Michael on the defense went against Vic in practice. It's funny, like I think some of us reporters kind of missed out on this. We're all like, oh, yeah, Cobb. He had had two really good games in for Donovan the year before, gave him this contract, et cetera. But then only later did I hear from players being like, oh, yeah, we all saw it in practice. He 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 was better. Did you yeah. feel that way at that time, That you know, looking back now? 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, going back and 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 that's not to say that's not a slight to to anyone no. else, but Michael they, Vick. I mean, he's yeah, <laughs> he's the number one. You know, he was the number one pick in the NFL. He's a a tremendous athlete. He'd always had that that star potential, and he was a star before he got to us. And I think what we saw in practice was kind of the maturity in terms of quarterback play, like sitting in the pocket, not dropping back and reading one read and taking off. Like with Andy, when Andy got his hands on him, he was able to develop him into a more complete quarterback. And we saw it in practice. And and quite honestly, <laughs> I hated seeing him because he was dropping dimes on our secondary all, all, all practice. So it was uh, it was good. We, we knew it was coming. <laughs> Again, this is all hindsight. Maybe some people did see it coming. But even if that was true, it didn't change the fact that Kevin Cobb was the undisputed successor to Donovan McNabb. Whenever you change quarterbacks and you're you're heading in a new direction, you know, you get all sorts of excitement and stuff to get behind that guy. Todd Harriman's was the Eagles' starting left guard in 2010. You kind of just generate your own energy heading into the season. Um, yeah, I just remember we were excited for that. We got to open up with the Kelly Greens, and then I do remember it just being like, man, Cobb got knocked out. Vic came in, played well, and then it was just like, you know, our story just changed like that. We were all set behind Cobb, ready to roll, and then uh, Mike came in, and it was just a just a another adjustment that we had to make that early in the season. Kevin Cobb's concussion defined a large part of the day the Eagles had in their 2010 season opener against the Packers, but even before that, the mojo at Lincoln Financial Field wasn't good. The first sign of trouble was in the opening minutes of the second quarter. Here is the fullback, pro bowler last year, Leonard Weaver, good for one. And now Leonard Weaver is injured. And that'll bring Andy Reid out onto the field. This is a roster does not have a backup fullback. Could you hear the crowd reaction on the Fox broadcast? That's how gruesome Weaver's injury was. I saw it live, and I'll never forget the somber feeling on the sidelines. For Quentin Michael, it was traumatic. The picture and the vision and seeing, like, live that happened is seared into my mind. Leonard was such a good person, and he's a good, he was a great teammate, and he was a great player. To see that live and to see it so violently and to see his leg, I mean, it's just, it's just stuck in there. And so... That's really what sticks out to me the most from that game. And, you know, that, was, that ended his career. Weaver's knee was destroyed, and he never played again. On the Eagles' next drive after that, there was another big injury. McGlynn is in at center now instead of Jamal Jackson. Not much time left here in the first half. Jamal Jackson coming off of the field and on the sideline with the doctors. Later, we learned that Jackson had torn his triceps. He would be done for the year, too. Jackson had started every regular season game since 2006. Mike McGlynn was his backup. That's another adjustment to make with McGlynn at center. Todd Harriman's explained what was happening. You know, me, I'd played next to Jamal for forever, it seemed like, at that point. And we were thick as thieves. So to have somebody else come in there, different cadence, different tempo, different mindset, different mentality than Jamal, big adjustment for me to make. But... Part of the game, man. You don't get to pick who you're playing with. So I love playing next to Greasy. So Leonard Weaver was out. Jamal Jackson was out. And two plays later, it got even worse. 
And Cobb's in trouble. Matthews knocks it out. And now Kevin Cobb is slow to get up. Now the family of Kevin Cobb hopes he's all right. Kevin had no idea that he was being chased. And we'll find out if he's going to be okay. He's able to pop up and walk to the sideline. But Cobb wasn't okay. I just remember the after effect, and I remember, you know, seeing Kevin's eyes. I knew instantly, I was like, yeah, he's done. Again, Quentin Michael. The biggest thing that I noticed was the 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 glassiness. I mean, they were like wide. Like you you can tell when someone, you know, kind of has that concussion concussion symptoms or whatever they say now but back then it was like okay like the big eyes glassed over kind of like staring off in the distance when you see a quarterback take a hit like that and you see his eyes it's you, immediately because they're not used to getting hit like that immediately it's like oh shoot like that ain't good and that was it <laughs> except it wasn't the eagles had one more drive before the half and Cobb actually went back in he might have been concussed he probably shouldn't have went back in, but he tried. I mean, it was a different world back then. And, you know, guys, when you know, number one, you want to play for your team. And when you know that you, you, your potential for losing your spot is very high, you want to get back out there with the guys. And so looking back and seeing and understanding more what we know now, it probably wasn't the best decision. Cobb threw incomplete to Deshaun Jackson, a short pass to LaShawn McCoy, and then a pass that got deflected and fell right into the arms of none other and Mike McGlynn. There's a few things in, in throughout my career, a few moments that are like, that was pretty funny, you know? And, and after, I just remember going back to the huddle and a couple of the guys were like, did you just catch that ball? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> plus two, I think it was like a plus two yard gain or something, you know? So <laughs> at least uh, it was for positive yards. What Cobb was going through, obviously, was serious. During halftime, the Eagles had to figure out what to do. This is Marty Morningweg. Jeff, I'll make it real simple. He came over to the side and said, man, he said, man, I am dizzy. Things are spinning on me. And I'm going, oh, geez, have you seen the trainer? You know, we got to get this thing, you know, looked at. He goes, yeah. He goes, man, I'm, I'm not sure I can be really efficient. I'm not sure what I can do and what I can't. Kevin always had that fighter in him. You know, they were going to have to carry him off the field, right? And right, right around that time, it was before – all the protocols and everything else with concussions. So as players, we kind of controlled whether, you know, we were able to go back in and play or not. Hey, we're good. I'm good. I just got a little ding, this, that, and the other. But now, the way it's handled now, there's no chance he would have went back in that game. Unfortunate how that happened for him. And um, for, for Mike, it was an opportunity for him to step in. How Vic changed the season and the trajectory of two careers when we come back. You want hometown coverage that's just as obsessed with Philly sports as you are? Then access your obsession 24-7 only at Inquire.com slash sports. Get in the huddle with over 40 expert reporters and editors, all covering your birds and other Philly teams. Catch all the insights, analysis, and much more only at Inquire.com slash sports. Hey, this is Brian Seltzer. 
I love producing Uncovering the Birds and working with Jeff, just like I love working on the other podcasts we produce at KYW News Radio. We've got the John Cast, which takes you on these really fun, unique, and unexpected journeys about the people, places, and things in Philadelphia that make our city so distinct. There's also In Depth, which is my go to pod for thoughtful, down the middle analysis of current events and other topics affecting our world in Philly and beyond. Gone Cold explores unsolved murders in Philadelphia. Bridging Philly brings you stories that connect communities on the issues that matter most to you. And One on One has great conversations with people in sports you should absolutely know more about. So give the full slate of KYW News Radio original podcasts a listen. Download the free Odyssey app and follow KYW News Radio for Philly's best original podcasts right at your fingertips. I'm Jeff McLean, and this is Uncovering the Birds. When the Eagles host the Miami Dolphins Sunday at Lincoln Financial Field, they're going to be rolling out the classic Kelly Green throwback uniforms. The last time the Eagles wore Kelly Green was the first game of the 2010 season against the Green Bay Packers. And to this day, it's one of the craziest games I've ever covered. Picking up where we left off, as deflating as the hit to Kevin Cobb was, he actually wasn't the last player to go down for the Eagles in the first half. But another Eagle is hurt. And it looks like Stuart Bradley tried to get up and then went down. Stuart Bradley is hurt. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Stuart Bradley looks like he is really hurt. He is asking for help to get up. That was a huge loss for us, man. Quentin Michael started at safety that day for the Eagles. He was on the field when Bradley went down. He was the center of our defense. He was the call maker. He was the big playmaker. And uh, he got everybody lined up in the front in the linebacker core. And so losing him was a huge loss. And, it, and, you know, towards the end of the game, it really came back to bite us. Stewart's helmet crunched in the fellow linebacker Ernie Sims's right hip when he tried to make a lunging tackle on Packers wideout Greg Jennings. It's one of those cases where you, 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 you get his... your bell rung and he tries to get up, but then he went back down. No, he looks dizzy. He looks like a fighter with his bell rung. Thirteen years later, there's no shot Bradley would have ever been allowed back on that field. But like Cobb, Stewart actually returned before the half ended. I talked to him recently and asked him what he remembered about that hit. Hip-to-head collision. You stand up, and it was it's more like the equilibrium is just so off, where you're like, whoa, like, you're tilting because it feels like the world's tilting, so you're just trying to get right. Um, yeah, I remember stumbling, and then guys were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I wish I had yeah. a more grandiose story about it. You'd think that after everything that happened, Leonard Weaver going down, Jamal Jackson going down, Cobb and Bradley each taking big hits. The Eagles' locker room would have been a complete mess at halftime. They were behind 13-3. It looked bad. It felt bad. But most NFL coaches and players can keep blinders on. Hey, that's not the first time that's happened, right? All right? You haven't played or coached very many games if you haven't been through quite a little bit of adversity. I, that just comes with the game. Marty Morningweg was the Eagles' offensive coordinator in 2010. They're really good teams. They batter through that adversity, and they come out the other end, sometimes even stronger. The bad teams, oh, my gosh, they're whining and crying, and, oh, what's going to happen? Oh, uh, you, 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 the really good players and really good coaches, they just battle 
right through that adversity, drive the train straight through the tunnel. It's just that simple. And uh, most of the fellows on our football team were tough, tough guys, both physically, but also mentally. Marty wasn't the only one who told me the locker room was business as usual at halftime. A couple other people I spoke to confirmed it as well. Ultimately, the Eagles decided that Cobb wasn't going back in for the second half. That meant it was Michael Vick time. Mike McGlynn was going to be his center. Do you remember like conversations you had with Mike? Like, hey, we we did this all during the summer, or what does that does that you know what happens in that in that instance between the center and the quarterback? No, I just think it's like one of those things that let's get it type of deal. There's a familiarity from working through training camp and getting those reps together. And and there's a confidence that you have to have that comes through preparation. So there was no real, hey, let's go, you know, dap up and all this. No, there wasn't. There was more so, hey, when they're in this front, we got to be prepared. This is how we got to redirect protections. Most of that stuff. For, for the quarterback and center in that offense was our communication. Coming on a blitz. McCoy picks him up. Vic trying to make it happen. Has room to run. In front of Barnett. And out of bounds inside the five. That audio is from the NFL on Fox. Not too long after Vic got on the field, Quentin Michael started to feel a shift. We were getting our buzz kicked. We couldn't stop anyone. You know, and Vic comes in the game and totally takes the game over. He's back. He's looking. He's looking. He's looking. He is dashing to the near side, pumping. He's going to run. 20, 25, 30. Out of bounds across the 34-yard line. I think he has a first down. We've seen it in practice. We've seen it, you know, when we played him before when, you know, he was with Atlanta. I mean, the guy is just phenomenal. Mike McGlynn had a front row seat at center. I think I just remember the energy when they decided that Vic was going to play within the stadium, right? When they said at quarterback, Michael Vick, there was a lot of excitement with that. Todd Harriman's was trying to get a feel for his new quarterback in real time. I do remember it just him seeming to will us forward with his legs. You know, it was, um, yeah, he was fast, dude. I remember it being frustrating a couple of times and just being like, dude, why are you running? Just stay back there, you know? But I always say it's hard to hard to be upset with Mike because, you know, he, he got me out of so many jams with me, blocks that I missed, you know, with the guy coming straight at him. And then Mike's just like, whoop, whoop. The NFL on Fox broadcast made the change sound dramatic. You know, Andy Reid and Marty Mornwick, they go to an entirely different playbook from the one that Kevin Cobb was using, and that's a good thing because that playbook in the first half wasn't real good. But, you know, they're going to have to now incorporate a lot of running and a lot more running than certain... Your system, right, and and in your game plan, it has to be big enough and enough things in there where you can play directly to everybody's strengths that's available, every player's strengths, but especially the quarterback position. So both. You go from Kevin Cobb's strengths to Michael Vick's strengths within the system, within the game plan, right? And it, so it's 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 a much easier transition than some expect. Midway through the third quarter, the Packers' lead had grown to twenty to three. Can Michael Vick create some of the magic he created as an Atlanta Falcon? He has pulled out games in the past. Vick got the Eagles as close as a touchdown, but they lost. 27 to 20. 
Vic finished the day 16 of 24 passing for 175 yards and a touchdown. He ran for 103 more yards on 11 carries. But more impressive than the stats, Vic showed his capabilities and also how far he had come since the Eagles signed him in 2009. By the time the 2010 season opener was over, it felt like the plot had shifted. Instead of there being concern about replacing Cobb, there was optimism about Vic. And the central question became, do the Eagles have a quarterback controversy? The time for Andy Reid's big decision was coming. But at least for another week, the choice was already made for him. Kevin Cobb was still out with a concussion, so the Eagles went back to Vic for week two in Detroit. And Vic was even better. 284 yards passing and two touchdowns. It felt like the genie was out of the bottle. For the Eagles players in particular, what they were seeing couldn't be unseen. And to be honest, we were all seeing it. These weren't just flashes of the old Michael Vick. It was the real thing. Quentin Michael couldn't help but wonder, was there any chance Andy Reid would make a switch? Would he stick with Vick? It had to be him. It was weird because it didn't feel like it was going to happen. We kept saying, like, we were thinking it was going to happen, but we're like, nah, we don't know if Andy would do that. He's, he's not going to pull pull the cord on Kevin too soon. You know, he's a second-round pick. They're going to keep giving him an opportunity. You know, boom, that was it. And I think part of it was because of the way things ended with Donovan. And, you know, Donovan, I love Donovan, but he was kind of on the decline. But it was like he still never got pulled. Even as as good or bad as you know, as bad as he played, he never got pulled. And the way things always worked with Andy with quarterbacks is like they have a very very long leash. And so we were thinking, okay, even though Vic is clearly should be number one, they don't want to create that QB controversy. I was thinking it's going to be at least half a year. I hate to say it because it's a teammate, but like when it, when the move was made, we we're like, okay, now we can go. Like now we know if we get the ball back to the offense, you know things are really going to move because this dude is electric. It was tough. It turned out Quinton and the Eagles didn't have to wait that long at all. But Tuesday after the Lions game, my phone vibrated with an announcement. The Eagles had named Michael Vick the starter. Andy Reid called an impromptu press conference, and I asked him if he was concerned about what the locker room thought of him, if they should trust him or take him at his word. He had just spent the last five months building up Kevin Cobb to be the new starter. Now, after one big hit and Michael Vick getting six quarters of action, Andy was ready to turn the reins over. No, I don't feel that's unstable. If I'm the bad guy, I'm okay with that. Uh, I do what I think is right for them, how I'm perceived. Outside of them, I, that doesn't, that's not my concern. I've got to take care of this football team, number one. And, uh, and that's what I've always done, and I've always did. Marty Morningweg was in the meeting when Andy Reid made the decision. There must have been a lot of, like, for him to pull the f- trigger there. You know, there must have been some deep conversations. Yeah, there was. And is Kevin Cobb the Philadelphia Eagles' future? Is he the face of the franchise? Did we make a mistake? No. He's very good. Uh, I remember Andy and I had this conversation. It feels like, uh, you, you, you know, a starter doesn't lose his job due to injury. He started one game uh, this year for you. Uh, you know, our, all of our plans were, were focused on Kevin Cobb. But it, if you go the other way, it feels like 
you're pulling the guy that's playing at such a high level. And so that was that was a very, very difficult decision for Andy Reid. Quinton thought the football part of the equation spoke for itself. But for Cobb, the human side had to be awkward. It was something I felt bad for him. I really felt bad because we, even though we we kind of had the feeling that eventually Vic was going to, you know, be that guy, we were all, like I said, we were all young and up and coming. And, you know, Kevin was kind of like at our same level. So we wanted him to, to, to succeed and to show everyone that he could still play. And, you know, he's going to come out and light it on fire. And, and it just, I just knew in that instant that, you know, it was probably over because, you know, Vic was right behind him and it was, it was over from there. Three years after he was sentenced to prison, Michael Vick was a full-time starting quarterback in the NFL. Remember, like, this was the time, too, where a lot of people were, they didn't, they didn't like the signing of Vic because of what had happened, you know, happening before. And so it was like his, his welcoming the Philadelphia, like, okay, not necessarily all was forgiven because of what he did, but like, okay, he had this going on, but he did this today. So it was kind of, it was for us as players and teammates, it was kind of like a little bit of a vindication for us. Like, yeah, see, like, just let him play ball and look what he can do. Vic led the Eagles to six wins in seven games down the stretch of the 2010 season. They clinched the division title in the NFC East, despite all the ups and downs that season, and went on to the playoffs. I asked Todd Harriman's, what if Andy Reid had handled the quarterback situation differently? What if he had never made the switch? Do you think if he had stuck with Cobb that it wouldn't have gone over well because guys in that locker room knew that Mike was better? I don't know. I mean, I think a lot of that decision had to do with, you know, the ages of them. I think that Mike probably was a, you know, more experienced, a little better, easier to carry a team and at that point was showing success. And Cobb was still young, you know, so he could back up for a year or two, gain a lot of knowledge, and then come in and crush it. So I think that that probably played into the decision a little bit, too. But Cobb had been sitting for three years. It was like, you know, kind of almost like an Aaron Rodgers. It was like, this was his time, you know? It was like, and he is he was chomping. He wanted it so, you know, I just remember. Yeah, I remember when he made that decision, Cobb handled it well. He was like a professional, you know? Had to be tougher. Had to be tougher. You know? Obviously not what he was planning on happening or what he wanted, but. Yeah, man. Mike McGlynn felt bad for Cobb, but he was close with Vic, too. All three of them were roommates together at Lehigh at training camp. Vic's intangibles really stood out to him. He came in, and obviously, you know, some guys, you know, with his magnitude of superstar, some guys come in arrogant, you know, with a attitude, and here I am. He came in selfless, and he really embraced you know, that leadership role. And I just remember such such a great experience when it came to his leadership. With Vic at the controls in 2010, Marty Morningweg's offense finished second in the NFL in yards and third in scoring. He respected Vic for being ready when the Eagles needed him. I would not say he was waiting. I would say he was working for his next opportunity because I tell the fellas now, when they're in that position, the worst thing is not you get your next shot and it doesn't work. The worst thing is you get your next shot and you're not prepared. You mix playing a quarterback position really well with his dynamic ability and creativity. 
Now, now you've got something special. Today, here at Lincoln Financial Field, it is again these two teams beginning what each hopes is the first step towards a berth in Super Bowl 45. On January 9th, 2011, it felt like things were coming full circle. The Kelly Greens were long a thing of the past, the Eagles were back in their traditional colors, and the Green Bay Packers were back at Lincoln Financial Field. This time, the stakes were much higher. It was the NFC wildcard game, first round of the playoffs, and the Eagles felt really good about their chances. I thought if we win that game, we'll, we'll likely win the Super Bowl as long as our hard work and preparation and old school mentality stays with us, right? But the Eagles came up short again, just like they did in the regular season opener. They lost to the Packers 21-16. The Eagles' season was over. I thought we were probably better than the Green Bay Packers, but they were just a little bit better on both of those days. So did Mike McGlynn. I just remember after that game being really disappointed because I felt like, it, you know, it was a little bit of a letdown. And I think we all felt that way because I thought, you know, the, the talent that we had and how we were over, able to overcome adversity and continue to push, you know, it was a good team, a good environment, a good culture, a good camaraderie. The disappointment McGlynn was talking about was natural, but after the initial pain went away, there was hope. Michael Vick looked rejuvenated. He would be the Eagles starter for parts of the next three seasons. As for Kevin Cobb, he was traded to Arizona the next summer, in 2011. It was a brutal season, but the following year, in 2012, he helped the Cardinals get off to a 4-0 start. Then, he got knocked out of action in the middle of the year with an injury. He never played in a regular season game again. It wasn't lost on Marty Morningweg how things ended for Cobb, the guy who was once considered the savior. I have great respect for him to this day. He is a tough, tough guy. So he goes to Arizona on sort of a rebuilding type of team and just gets the bleep knocked out of him every other play. I mean, he had, he had to put his sternum back together. He got all... On and on and on. So many splatter type of hits he took down there in Arizona. Cobb, in recent years and on a few occasions, has spoke about transitioning to life post-football. He works in real estate back in Texas now. Vic played a little while longer and retired in 2015. He's still involved in the game as an analyst for Fox. As for the Kelly Green, it's coming back in the famous 1980s and 90s version. This time, perhaps, with a little less drama. But that 2010 game serves as a reminder that in the NFL, controversy is potentially just around the corner. In athletics and, and especially football, great things happen. Great things happen to a lot of people. And every now and then, some bad stuff might happen to a fellow or two. Those ones that have the, that are tough-minded come back sometimes as good or even better when some of these bad things happen to them, or they just get cut or they get traded. Several of those things happened with Kevin Cobb, and he battled through and battled through. I know this, that a lot of NFL players that played back in that day have great respect for Kevin Cobb, and they certainly do for Michael Vick. This is Uncovering the Birds. 
a production of the Philadelphia Inquirer and KOW News Radio original podcasts. Our producer is KOW News Radio's Brian Seltzer. Tom Rickard is KOW News Radio's director of podcasting. The executive producer from the Philadelphia Inquirer is Renee Eiffel. Special thanks to Sports Radio 94 WIP, Fox Sports, and Gary Cobb. If you're around for season one, thanks for coming back. We missed you. And if you're a new listener, please help us spread the word. You can always leave us a review or a rating. It helps a lot. Listen to Uncovering the Birds, free on the Odyssey app, wherever you get your podcasts, or go to inquire.com slash podcasts. We'll be dropping new episodes every three weeks. I'm Jeff McLean. You can follow me on X, formerly known as Twitter, at Jeff underscore McLean, or you can find me on Instagram and Facebook. We'll talk to you soon.